This is the VI Sound and Vision Podcast. Welcome to the episode two of the VI Sound and Vision Podcast. Yes, we've made it. So before I get into what we have coming up on the podcast, I will give you some news bits coming up. So we have artwork. Yes, we actually have some decent artwork. So I'm afraid the colourful, funky shapes as you're listening to the episode have now gone away. We do have an artwork and the reason I wanted this really is so that I did like the colourful shapes, don't get me wrong, but I wanted the artwork to represent what this podcast is really about and this artwork does just that. So thank you very much to Neil Frankel who's done the artwork for me. Thank you very much for that, sir. Much appreciated. So, yes, we will also be creating social media pages. Yes, I will have Facebook and Twitter page for this podcast. They will be coming up in the next few days. And you will be given details of it probably in the next episode. It will be given to you by my voice jingle person who you hear at the beginning and the end of each podcast. So... Lily, thank you for these as well. So yes, all going very well. Thank you to everyone who's helped out with the podcast. Everyone's help is crucial and it's much appreciated because although I'm the one hosting it, this podcast couldn't have happened without certain things. So it's always good to get input of others. Right, now that's bit done. Uh, let's move on to what's coming up on this month's show. And it's a packed one. So I will be talking about entertainment systems. No, not sound systems or speakers. It's more about what we use to get our entertainment. I've updated my system. So I'll kind of tell you a bit about that and other alternatives and pros and cons for all, really. We will also talk about Apple stuff. Yes, this month has been Apple heavy, mainly because we've had the Apple event spring loaded. So I will be sharing some of the announcements for ones who haven't heard. And uh, I will particularly pick my favorites out of these. And we also had iOS 14.5, the big software update, which doesn't usually happen at this time. But yes, I will be talking about some of my favorite features of the iOS update, which includes a very good feature for face mask users, which in this current period is probably all of us. We will also be talking about assessing accessibility and usability. As part of my Sight Loss Council project, I am currently doing that. So there's a bit about that as well. So yes, fairly packed show. Hope you enjoy it. And I will speak to you at the end of this. So the first part on this podcast is entertainment systems. And what I mean by this is smart TV interface and TV in general, I think, in particular. And I think we all nowadays have a smart TV of some kind. And there are various options available for everyone. I think when you are looking at accessibility, though, I think your options are probably slightly narrower but you do have options still. So I'm going to talk about basically what I have recently upgraded to and also tell you about some alternatives to my system so that you know what other options there are. So first of all, the reason for my upgrade then, a few weeks ago, I'd say this was, my TV that I had, which was very old to be fair, 
had it for like 10 years. Started turning on by itself, which was a bit weird, a bit ghostly, but you know. And I've tried to fix it first. I'm always the type of person to try to fix it before I actually spend some money, but no, couldn't fix it. Looked at the settings. Tried changing plugs, tried doing all sorts, nothing worked. So I decided it was the right time to actually upgrade my entertainment system as it was a bit out of date. So I decided to update a few things because my old TV setup also included a fire stick, which I still do have. But in addition, I have also ordered something else. So I've upgraded my TV. I currently have a Samsung, I believe it's a 4K smart TV, but I could be wrong. It's a 30 inch screen though. I don't really mind if it's 4K or not, because I, visually I can't really see the difference, so it doesn't really matter. But it is a nice 30-inch screen. And the reason why I went for Samsung in this case is because it does have a screen reading feature called Voice Guide, which features the speech system that reads out your menus, tells you what channel you're on, if you're watching TV. It does also have an accessible smart TV interface, the problem is, as I'll go in to explain, it still has the same issues as some of the other smartphone, smart TV interfaces that I've used. So I've got that one. The reason I picked Samsung over, for example, Panasonic or LG, which also have similar talking features options, is because I have seen a YouTube video of the Samsung one and I was fairly impressed. So I thought that would be a better option, really. So that is why I've gone for this. I also then went to purchase a smart TV interface now. I know Samsung does have that. And also there's the Fire Stick. They are both good. The problem is there are certain apps you can't actually use on these. So what I found with some apps on the Fire Stick, this includes the iPlayer apps for TV providers such as BBC, ITV, Channel 4 and 5. And Dave as well, if anyone's interested, you know, UK TV Play. They use what's called WebView, which for most screen readers is not a problem, but I've noticed a lot of the smart TV screen readers don't actually like WebView and don't really do well with it. And that is the problem I'm, I've had with few smart TV interfaces, including Samsung and Amazon's ones. So I've decided that what I need is something that is accessible with that as well as everything else. Because at the end of the day, I want to take full advantage of smart, of a smart TV capability. So I have decided to purchase an Apple TV 4K as well. Because from experience from various users I've heard of, everything's accessible on it, pretty much. So therefore, it was, to me, a natural conclusion really to go for that. You know, it was Bob. I've listened to various demonstrations, various experiences, and in my opinion, they all sounded fairly convincing. So I have decided to go for that, and I have got both of them here. We've got the Apple TV right here on my shelf. So it feels quite solid. Tapping the box right now. You can tell it's not hollow at all. And then I can tap the side of it as well. Nice and nice and solid. It's the size of um, kind of a large, large-ish jewelry box, kind of bigger than like a jewelry jewelry box you'd get in a you'd get a bracelet in or something. It's kind of the size of a super drive, maybe a bit smaller than that, but also a bit taller 
and it's got very rounded edges. So yes, pretty pretty small. It fits nicely on a shelf. Doesn't take up much space. You can get a mount to mount it onto the back of your TV, which is something I'm still considering, but something I haven't yet purchased because I'm still kind of looking at whether it's actually going to be worthwhile. It does come with a cable management system as well, that mount, so it could be a good option if any of you were looking at it. So at the back, it's got three ports. It's got the power lead. Then it has an HDMI port where obviously the HDMI cable goes. Now there is actually a trick with that, which you know we all know why this is. Uh, so in most situations, I'd say use any HDMI cable for these things because at the end of the day, it shouldn't really matter. It seems to matter in this case because if you use any other HDMI cable, I've noticed the Apple TV doesn't seem to work as well. From you know, and I've not, I'm not the only one that's has that has experienced this. I've spoken to other people who have said the same thing to me, who've experienced the same thing. So, but it's all right because Apple does have an HDMI cable they recommend you purchase, of course. Granted, it sets you back another additional twenty pounds, but it is a sturdy cable, so. My recommendation is to buy it because I've done it. I didn't want to, but from experienced users that I've spoken to, this was the best option. And as it's working well for me, you know, I'm not going to moan too much, but it is a lot for a cable. It does also have an Ethernet port, so you can plug it into a wired network if you prefer. And as I do always think wired networks are a lot more secure and reliable, that's always an option. It's not a necessity. My one's connected to Wi-Fi just because I don't really want a long Ethernet cable, you know, being round here. So, yes, pretty good kit. I do then have the Apple TV remote here. Really nice, slick design. Really small as well. Really thin. Thin and quite long. So you've got the trackpad at the top, which also works like a clicker. Then you've got some buttons in rows of two buttons. So the first row has button on the left and on the right. The one on the left is a menu button. The one on the right is the home button. In the row below that, you have the Siri button and then the volume button, which is nice and long. And then you've got the play button in the kind of corner of the buttons here. And below the play button and the volume button, you have the glossy finish which doesn't do anything at all, but it's needed for the other components. And at the bottom, you have a charging port for the remote to be charged. Mind you, the battery lasts for an absolute age on that. So you will not have to charge it often, most likely. I recommend keeping this remote in a safe place, in one place where you will not lose it, because its replacement costs, I think, what, £50, £55? So it's not the cheapest remote to buy, Mind you, if you lose it, you can use your phone as a remote, but if you'd rather your phone kind of do other things, then, you know, I'm the type of person that likes to have the remotes for these things. So, yes, I recommend you do not lose it. So there's that. And I do have my Samsung TV remote. I will also try and show you switching inputs because I can't show you live TV content, but I can try and show you the other bits and pieces. Okay. So what I'll do now some demonstrations so i'll turn on the apple tv and show you how easy it is to use how very accessible it is show you some of the apps i've got and also a few settings that i recommend you should change as soon as you possibly can because 
there are some navigation settings or there's one in particular that I think needs to be changed once you've set it up. And the setup is quite easy if you have an iPhone already because all I had to do is plug it in, go to HDMI input on my TV, which thanks to the voice guide screen reader on the Samsung TV was, was very easy because with my old TV with no screen reader, I could not actually switch inputs. In here I can. And then once you're on the Apple TV on the HDMI input, all you need to do is then hover your iPhone over your Apple TV, it will pick it up and it will actually set the Apple TV up with your Apple ID details like that via Wi-Fi. So it is really handy to do. Okay, so what we're going to do is turn the Apple TV on with the TV remote. The good thing is this does turn on the TV in general. And the clever thing is, even if you've been watching TV before, but not the Apple TV, it will switch you to the Apple TV interface anyway. And it will also make an indicator sound because Samsung TV does that, which I really quite like. I believe you can turn it off, but I do like it because it tells me that I've turned it on and it also does it when I've turned it off. So I think it's pretty good. Right, let's press it, let's turn it on. There it is. So the Apple TV has loaded. I'll turn the volume up a bit. Volume 13. Volume 14. Volume 15. So you can hear the Samsung lady voice guide voice telling me that I'm turning up the volume. Apps or row two, column one. Right, so we have the Apple TV on. I have it all set up, but I will take you through the setup bits that I think could be changed. So I'll take you to the top. TV, row one. Column one, top shelf content available. So to let you know, the navigation of the Apple TV system is very simple. In your home screen, it works on a grid basis. So if you imagine all the apps are squares and you move left, right, up and down to go through all of them. So unlike on a touchscreen device where voiceover just kind of wraps around and moves on to the next row, with the Apple TV, you need to actually remember to go in all four directions if and when needed, which I'll explain to you while I do it. So I'll take you through some of the apps that we have on here and if they're accessible or not. And then I'll show you some settings and how to navigate through regions and how to navigate within a region, which I'll also explain. OK, so here we've got the T Apple TV app, which is very useful. I've actually started to find more uses for it uh, than I used to. I used to be a big enemy of it because I thought it was extremely pointless, but I've come to realise that actually it's pretty good. Music, row one, column two, top shelf, content available. You've got the music app, so you can play your music, your Apple Music through this or your music library in general. I do like that. If you've got decent speakers, definitely really well worth it. Photos. You've got your photos, which you can no access content. as well, and that obviously includes photos and videos. Arcade, You've got the Apple Arcade four. gaming Top feature, and you can play games on this. I don't think my, there's any accessible games on the Apple Arcade. I'm keen to be corrected on that, but as far as I'm aware, there is none. Fitness, row one, column five. Top You've got the fitness app, so you can listen to or watch fitness workout videos as well if you've got the fitness subscription or any of the Apple One subscriptions. So 
I've reached the end of the road now, and I've tried to swipe to the right. You can't actually do that. It will not let you any go anywhere. But what I can now do is go down with one, swipe down with one finger and go down to the next row and go backwards through it. Because it stopped me at the end of the row. So, but what I'm going to do is actually go back to the beginning of this row. Okay, there we go. I'm at the beginning. And now I will... I will now swipe down with one finger to go to the first icon in the next row below. App Store, row two, so you've got the App Store, one. where you can obviously download various apps onto your Apple TV, and there is plenty to choose from. Podcasts, you've got your two, podcasts, so two. you can also listen to your podcasts on the Apple TV. Movies, you've got two, movies, TV shows, you've got your TV shows, two, that's all from four. the iTunes Store. Search, row two, you can search. And that's the end of that row, so we'll go back to the beginning of this row. And then I will swipe down to the next row. You've got computers, which is something I'm still, I've still not really experimented with that particular part. But I do want to see the capabilities of this particular app and see what it allows me to do. You've got settings, which I will go through at some point to show you the few settings that I recommend you change. BBC then you've got BBC iPlayer, fully accessible. There's that. There's one or two things I love about this app on the Apple TV. One of them especially is that you don't need to go to the audio described category in the BBC iPlayer app on the Apple TV. You can tap on any show and if it has audio description, you've got a play button and then you've got play audio described button, which I think is really good, a really good way of doing it because it saves you having to go to the audio described category specifically which is brilliant. What you need to know is to set up BBC iPlayer, you will need sighted assistance because when you open the app for the first time, it will give you a code, which you then need to go to a specific website and enter. So that's probably one thing to keep in mind. Other than that, it is perfectly accessible. ITV Hub. Then you've got ITV Hub. As at the moment, as of this demonstration, ITV Hub on the Apple TV still does not have audio description, unlike its iOS and Android apps, which I think is very disappointing. I am hoping that will change at some point, because that's the one thing I can't really watch on the Apple TV at the moment, is ITV programs, unless they don't need audio description. All four. Row three. Then I have Home all four, so that's Channel 4's on-demand channel. That's very easy to set up. You don't really need to have any sighted assistance with that to enter any codes. Right, so we'll go to the next row. You've got My5. Again, an app I have not tried. On iOS, it's not accessible, or it is, but to a very small extent. On the Apple TV, I'm not sure about that yet, but I look forward to trying at some point. You've got UKTV Play. Again, that's for your Dave channel, so if you like your... Room 101, your Top Gear, and various other ch programs you get on Dave, you can watch this. And it is quite accessible from what I've seen from my initial trials. It is accessible, which is really good. Britbox, you have BritBox as well. So for British TV, British box sets and all that. That, to my knowledge, I have not actually tried its accessibility. So it's still on the list Volume to 22. try. Netflix recently updated. Then you have Roll Netflix. Four, column four. That is perfectly accessible and perfectly fine to use. 
You have YouTube as well, which I do like using on the Apple TV. That is fully accessible and it does not require sighted assistance to set up either. If anything, it's one of the simplest apps to set up because you actually open up YouTube, you ask it to log in using the YouTube app on your phone and all you then need to do is open the YouTube app on your iPhone and it will pop up asking for access. So it is very simple. And I've got another app to show you. That's the Now app for Now TV. This is something I've not tried yet because I'm looking at getting Now TV for a very specific reason, which will come in September. Well, that is the NFL. Uh, so about that accessibility, I will probably put in the September episode because that would be quite good to investigate. So yes, these are the apps, the few apps that I've got on the Apple TV that I'm interested in. There are probably many other apps I have not seen or heard of that I'm planning to probably try out in the future, but that's what I have so far. Right, so what we're going to do now is two things. First, I'm going to show you some settings that would be good to change on your Apple TV as soon as you possibly can. So I'm going to use Siri to open settings. Open settings. General button, one of ten. There we go. So we are in settings. So first we're going to go to accessibility. Accessibility button. There's accessibility. I forgot where it was for a second. Vision, voiceover, on, button, so one you, of seven. you will have all the standard accessibility features. You've got voiceover, zoom, off, zoom display accommodations, you've got display off, accommodations, button, bold text, bold text. Forward, increase contrast, button. Motion button audio descriptions on seven of seven. Again, you tell if you available automatically play audio descriptions. So, as it said there, when available, it will automatically play audio descriptions. I highly recommend that turned on because that way, on all services, if audio description is available, it will play it. On some, you get that you get to choose the audio description, on some services, you actually you know need to have this feature turned on. Motor, switch control, off, hearing, mono audio, off, balance, sensor, button, two of three, subtitles in captioning, button, general, accessibility shortcut, voiceover, button. So you've got the accessibility one. shortcut, which is basically pressing the menu button three times and what it will do. And I have obviously set it up to be voiceover, but usually it's set up by default like that anyway. Right, so I'm going to go into voiceover. Here, display voiceover on button one of seven. Click on that. Voiceover on one of two. So there's the toggle to turn it on. Voiceover help button. Voiceover help. So you can look at all the gestures and such. Navigation style follow focus one of one. So this is the navigation style, and at the moment it says follow focus. So voiceover will follow the focus of the. Apple TV cursor as such. This is a setting that I've changed because at first the setting is, and I will change it to it. Direct touch. So by default, it's set to direct touch, which the problem with this is you basically have to drag your finger on the trackpad in order to find things and navigate to them, which it works but it's really difficult to use for for a voiceover user. It's not impossible, don't, don't get me wrong. It is usable, but the ideal, easiest navigation style is to use 
follow focus because you can then use the various gestures to navigate that you are used to. So navigation style, direct touch, one of one. As soon as I could get into settings, I've changed it to follow focus. Follow focus. And that is what I highly recommend anyone does. Verbosity speech. So your verbosity voice, speech. Alex, pronunciation. Your voice. Button, speech rate. Fifty percent. Use pitch on rotor button. You've got all the other things. You do have the rotor as well. Works a bit differently, but I will show you that in a minute because there is something to do with the rotor that I want you to see. Braille button. Got Braille. One. Double click timeout. Double click timeout. Audio. Audio channels. Button. Audio. One. Settings that you don't need to really worry about. Okay, so I'm going to go back to gen to the main setting screen. Vision, voice of accessibility, button. Next, what I want to show you is in... Apps, button, X, remotes and devices. Remotes and button, devices. Five of ten. Remote, touch surface tracking, medium, one of three. Home button, home screen, two of three. Press the home button once to go to the home screen. So, this is a vital setting that you need to change in my opinion because the original behavior of the home button is this i will click it so you can see what happens apple tv app when you press the home button on your remote it will now take you straight to up next in the apple tv app to go to the home screen press the home button again or press and hold menu so yes initially by default it's set up that if you press the home button it will open the TV app, which to me, I don't personally like that. I like the home button to do what it's called to do. It's called the home button, so it should therefore take you home. I'll change it back. Home screen. Press the home button once to go to the home screen. So that's one setting I recommend you change as well because I think it's really important. Okay, the next thing I will show you is how to close apps because it's not as easy as it would look so. If you think back to the iPhones with the home button, you'd press the home button twice if you're a voiceover user and it will take you to the app switcher where you can close your apps. It works in a similar way here, but unfortunately you can't just flick to the app, use the rotor, find actions and then flick down to close app. It's not that easy. There is a workaround. It's not as complicated, but it does involve a few extra steps. So I will show you that now. So I'll take us back to the home screen. So I will press the home button twice. It will take me to the app switcher. Use the actions rotor to close so home. there we go. It will tell you to use the rotor actions to close home or to close any app, but you can't do it this easy. So I'll find settings. settings. One of two. So in order to close it, to close settings. What, what you actually need to do first is change the mode here. So at the moment I'm on navigation mode. What you need to do in order to be able to close the app is change it to exploration mode. And how you do this, you tap the trackpad with two fingers three times. So it's a th two finger triple tap. Exploration. So we're now in exploration. As I'm still focused on the settings app, I can now use the rotor until I hear actions. Audio ducking, vertical navigation, red screen after delay, landmarks, actions. There we go, I've got actions. And if I swipe down with one finger, close app. it says close app and I will click it. Closing settings. And settings Call. have been closed. One of one. 
And the only Use thing the, actions rotor to close home. the only home. thing opened at the moment is home. Use the actions rotor to close Stop home. talking. Alright, there we go. I don't need to close home, but I can go back to the home screen. So I will turn off exploration mode with the same two-finger triple tap gesture. Navigation. There we go, I'm back home. One more thing I'll show you on the Apple TV is how to navigate within apps, how it roughly works more detailed when it comes to regions. And the best app I can actually think to show you this is all four. My five, recently computer, set, beep, IT, all four, row there three. There go, I'll open that. Five. Menu, home, tab, one of four. So I'm at the tab section. So on all four, you've got little headings. In the all four app on iOS, for example, you've got headings such as most popular and the first Five programs is kind of the top five recommendations or top five big popular now programs. So these, instead of headings, they are actually regions in this kind of system navigation. So I'll show you this. Direct touch area, Frank of Ireland. A county Dublin peep show, The Times. New comedy. So I am currently... Button, as one of five. It says one of five, so I'm currently in the top region where it shows you kind of the five programs to watch sort of thing. So I'm in that region, and in order to explore that region, I can swipe left or right. So the left or right swiping is to navigate within areas, within regions, as you were on, on the apps. And the up and down swipes are more to go through regions. So if I swipe down with my finger, I will go to the next region, which is the most popular programs. Direct touch area, made in Chelsea, 2 of 20, button, 2 of 20. So it has put me in the 20 kind of most popular programs, focused me on the second one for some reason. I don't know why it does that, but the main point is I'm now in that region and I can navigate it with swiping left or right. Location, location, taskmaster. So I've swiped right 20, twice. Of 20. And then I can... Swipe down to go to another different region, which I can't remember what that is. But as it doesn't tell you the regions, you just kind of have to guess. But as it tells you the names of shows anyway, I think it's more important the names of the shows so you know what you're looking for. So yes, that is the basic navigation of regions. All four, row three. Use the actions, all four, button, one, exploration. Audio duck vertical reds landmarks actions close app closing all four home button one navigation okay so that is the apple tv in a nutshell there's probably a lot more i can show you but this podcast only has a certain duration so i can't really go on forever so the last little bit i want to show you is not to do with the apple tv as such but more to do with the accessibility of the samsung tv so Let's say I finished watching the Apple TV and I want to go back to watching live TV. Now, with my old TV, this was quite difficult because if I wanted to switch inputs from HDMI to TV, the difficulty was it wasn't accessible. I could get to the menu, but the menu would only stay up for a few seconds. And as I can't see the options, it would be a bit difficult to navigate. With this TV, it is very much possible. So there is the input button, which is the top right corner button, which is nice and rectangular. It's a rectangular square, and if you press that, sources six items HDMI one. 
So it's focused on HDMI 1. If I press the, the, the arrow key on the remote to the left, TV. it says TV. And if I press OK, it will take me to my TV. And I can watch live TV. So I'm going to go back to HDMI 1 because I can't actually play you live TV content. HDMI 1. I'll press OK. HDMI 1, 1432, Friday, 30 April. And it has switched me to HDMI 1 and also told me the time. Thank you, helpfully. So that is pretty much that. I will then turn the Apple TV off by holding down the home button. Sleep button. It says sleep. That is the Apple TV. As I've said, there are many other TV interfaces you can get. I think the Fire Stick is a viable option as well. I think it's certainly more affordable and you can use, to my knowledge, Netflix, Prime Video, TV Player, YouTube. They are still accessible. Unfortunately, TV on-demand channels use WebView, so that's a bit tricky. However, if you watch all the services that I've just listed earlier, you'll probably be able to do with the Fire Stick if you don't really watch standard TV channels then the Fire Stick, I'd say, is more up your street. You can watch Netflix, you can watch Prime Video, you can use YouTube, you can use TV Player as well. So to some extent, you can even watch live TV with the TV Player app, which does have a subscription for additional TV channels, so you can watch live there. If you want live TV with audio description, you will not get it on TV Player as far as I'm aware, but as I said, if you don't watch TV itself... I think the Fire Stick is a viable option. I think it all depends as to what you're looking for and what you can afford. I've got the Apple TV because it offers me accessibility in all apps, including the on-demand TV channels. Plus, it is accessible from the ground up. So, therefore, that is why I've gone for it. But I do also have the Fire Stick. So, I can tell that both options are suitable for the right person. So yes, hopefully you have found this helpful and yes, hopefully you'll get some smart TV ideas for that. Next on the podcast, this is going to be mainly talking based as I want to talk about the Apple event Spring Loaded, which took place last week. And it was all about announcing new products. So I sort of want to talk about some of the products that were announced at least and services that I quite liked that I thought would be quite interesting. Mainly because there are some parts that were announced that are more visual and not really my thing, but I'll try to cover what was announced. So, the first announcement you've had was services, and one of them was Apple Card Family, which is Apple's credit card they have recently come up with a few years ago, which now is available in the US, which is really good. I think my main issue with that is that it's not available in this country and I would like it to be because it's a nice feature and you get a titanium shiny card, which I don't know why anyone would like. Unfortunately, it's not available in this country yet and there is no indication when it will be available, but you do have a family option now where you can have the card work for multiple family members and each and every one of the family members would have their credit score equally calculated, which I think is really good and really impressive. The next announcement you've had was Apple's podcast subscription service. Again, something I'm really keen on being a podcaster myself. I do see why Apple wants to help podcasters to get more money. And the good thing is you can do that in the podcasts app as well, or you will be able to once the service launches, 
where you can get your supporters to pay extra towards your podcast for either no adverts or, for example, for bonus content, which I think is a really good feature, and I'm really glad to see that being announced, and I'm glad to see that being introduced, because not only as a podcaster myself, I'd consider it at some point, probably not now, but as my podcast develops, I would like to look into this. But also, I'd like to take advantage of that myself to support some of the podcasters that I follow. The next probably more viable announcement that was actually really worth noting because the purple iPhone 12, I mean, it's a nice colour, but not much else really, was the AirTags. So if you've never heard of this sort of device, it's a device which allows you to, for example, attach it to a set of keys. If you, you know, frequently misplace your keys, you can then use an AirTag, which will then track the location of that object, in this case, a set of keys. And you can then get visual and audio instructions as to how to get to it. So the AirTag can play a sound. If you press a button in the Find My app, it will give you a sound from the AirTag itself, but it will also give you instructions on your phone as to how to get to it, which is quite fascinating because it uses loads of various technologies to allow you to find it, which is good. Now, you can use these for a set of keys, but the bigger use I find for it is more expensive products. I've had a lot of people buying, for example, air tags for their bikes, because, you know, bikes can get stolen sometimes, and with that air tag, you'll be able to track it down, for example. So the air tags have its uses, or they do have an attachment for luggage for air tags, so you can attach it to your suitcase if you travel. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but luggage goes missing sometimes, and I think the air tag will be a massive help with that particular part. So they are a useful device that has been announced. I think we all knew they were going to be announced at some point. It was just a case of when. And now they have been announced, which is good. The next product which they've announced, which is one that... It's one of these things where they announce it and you sit there going, I like my current equipment and I don't really need to upgrade, but this is nice. And you kind of sit there pondering. I'm talking about the new iMac announcement, so... They have released new redesigned iMacs with the M1 chip, which is what Apple have started doing now with their machines. And there's a few little features that sound good to me there, including improved speakers, studio microphones, which I think in a computer like that is crucial. And it just shows how Apple still prioritizes audio production in their devices. So I think that is really good. It's also a bit thinner, and I'll tell you for why, because the power supply is no longer inside the iMac itself. It's actually a separate little brick you get, which you connect via cable, like you would with a laptop. So when you used to have the iMac being quite fat in the middle, no longer that way. And it comes in a nice range of colours as well. It does stick with MagSafe connection for the charger, which I think in an iMac is brilliant or in any computer is brilliant, because if you trip over a cable, it's not that harmful. Yeah, you could hurt yourself, please don't do it, but you know. And it also has a nice magic keyboard, which comes with the iMac only if you buy the higher model. The base model doesn't have that, which Apple didn't tell you in the event, but it's something that you need to keep in mind of. So you get the magic keyboard with a Touch ID as well. So you're allowed to actually lock your Mac like you would an iPhone, and use Touch ID to unlock it, and you will also be able to use it for Apple Pay. 
So I do think that the iMacs are very exciting. That's definitely something to look out for. If not the fact that I value portability so much in my current setup, I would probably consider it. The other big announcement was the new iPad Pro with the M1 chip and mini LED display. Again, I think the reason I'm not really focusing on that is because I do have a MacBook, so I don't need a powerful iPad Pro to do what my MacBook already does. But it's good to see that Apple are increasing that. And it's kind of made me think, could iPads be running a version of macOS come September? It's quite an interesting concept. They have also announced the Apple Pencil, which again, I don't use, so there's not much I can say about that. But all in all, that event was really good. My big highlight has to be the IMAX. I think that's a really good development from Apple. And it's something that I would genuinely consider. They have released a new Apple TV 4K. And probably the only non-visual thing that's different about it is the new Siri remote, which has been given a redesign, which is actually quite nice because the buttons have been moved around a bit and the materials have changed a bit. But all in all, that's about it. The rest is very visual screen-wise. So that's probably the main features, but yep, that's another announcement. So yes, that is Apple's spring-loaded event. iOS 14.5 after three months of testing, which is unusually a long time, but hey, it is finally out. And it is a brilliant update. And what I will do today is show you some of the features that I really like in this update, which I think are worth highlighting. So this first feature is unlocking iPhones with Apple Watch. So as you know, last year, face masks became mandatory due to the pandemic. So you had to wear one in public indoor places and public transport. What problem it caused for the Face ID users out there is if you're wearing a face mask, your phone will not unlock. Which is why Apple have finally introduced Unlock with Apple Watch. So if you're an Apple Watch user, you are allowed to unlock your phone with your watch if your phone detects a face mask. So, to turn it on, you go to Settings. You then go to Face ID and Passcode. Unlock with Apple. Change part Unlock with Apple Watch. Heading. And then in that section, you will have Unlock with Apple Watch, which is a brand new heading. So what I'm going to do is show you how to turn this on. Cubits Apple Watch. Off. So there's my Apple Watch. I will double tap on that. Hubert allowed. Hubert's Apple Watch will unlock iPhone when any mask is detected. Face ID can't recognize you with a mask. So iPhone will unlock when any face with a mask is detected while your watch is unlocked and nearby. A haptic notification on your watch lets you relock iPhone if you did not intend to unlock. That's what I like as well. So you will be able to lock it straight away if you don't want it unlocked. So... Turn on button. We'll turn it on. Hubert's Apple Watch. Hubert's Apple Watch on. Use the secure Hubert's. That's Apple. now turned on. I will lock my screen. What I'm going to do now is put my face mask on. Right, so the face mask is now on. What I will do is attempt to unlock my phone. There we go. I'll tap on the screen. 12.59. And there it is. It made the little unlock sound. Silent mode. 
Hubert's un unlocked by this app, lock iPhone. But 1259. There we go. And it's that simple. It is really simple to do, and that is what I like. This can go off now. It's a fantastic feature, I think, because we don't know how long face masks will be a thing for. It might not be for long, but regardless of that, this feature is there. And it also works for not just these face masks, but if people are suffering from sleep apnea and they need to sleep with um, one of these sleep apnea machines, which is like a bit of like a face mask, a bit like that, that also works with these particular masks so therefore it's not only for covid face mask users that this feature is useful for so i think that is really good right so the next feature i will show you in this latest ios update is privacy related so we will go back into settings app switcher voice settings app settings app settings and we're going to look for privacy Access, Wolp, Siri, Face, Emerge, Expose, Battery, Privacy, Apps, Privacy, Button, Location Services. This is where on, you can set button. as to which apps on your device have access to various things such as location services, microphone, camera, and various bits of data. So you've got location services. Tracking, Button. And you've got tracking. Now this is a brand new feature. Allow apps to request to track on. So as you see, I have this feature turned on. Now, what this will do is some apps do want to track your data across basically other companies' apps in order to provide you with personal advertising. So adverts that are more relevant to you and to your activity on the smartphone, which is a nice feature if you're into that sort of stuff. I personally don't really want that. But some people don't mind it, I guess. I do. And I would say I'm not the only one. So I've turned this feature on. It doesn't prevent the tracking mechanism. It allows you to control whether apps ask you. So as you've seen, that is turned on. Allow apps to ask to track your activity across other companies' apps and websites. Learn more. Link. So I can learn more about this, but I don't need to. Now, off. And this is the list of apps which have asked me to track, and I've said yes or no. So as you can see, that says off. Skybet, off. This is also off. Soccer Boss, off. Super 6, off. Super 6, off. There we go, that's the end. And the reason I said off to these, because I just don't see the point. I don't see why apps should see what I do on other companies' applications. It just doesn't really make sense to me. So this tracking feature is brand new, and I do really like it. I think it's really good. And I think it's long overdue, really, because that's been something that Facebook were doing for a long time. And it's something that should have been stopped a long time ago, but now it has. So there's that feature, which is fantastic. The next feature I'll show you is a small one, but for me, it's a really useful one. App switcher. Stage. Music. Active. It's in the music app. Music, library, back so button. So the big feature I tend to use is Play Next. I do love it because it kind of, you know, you get, you're listening to a song and then something else gets stuck in your head or whatever and you want to listen to that song. And adding it to the Play Next section was always accessible. So the way you used to have to do it, I'll show you. Drum and bass, capital playlist. Let's go to the playlist. You, so, don't play, Anne-Marie, 
KSI and digital farm animals. So we've got a track here. Three minutes, eight seconds. Button. So in order to play next, actions available. In order to play next, what you have to do is double tap and hold on this track. Don't play, Anne Marie. K. Album artwork. And this is what you'd have. Don't play, Anne Marie. Don't play. Delete from library. Download. But add to a playlist. Play next. So button. you'd have a list of options. But you only have to double tap and hold to do this. Now, that's been improved. I will put my finger on that track again. Don't play, Anne-Marie. KS. There we go. Now, when you would swipe up or down, you'd have custom actions, such as add to library, download, delete, activate. Now, if there's a track playing, another option you'll have when you swipe down with your finger. Playing next. Playing last. You've got these as quick actions now, which to me is absolutely brilliant. I think that is really good because it makes it much quicker. And I think these quick actions make a world of a difference for someone. Not for everyone, granted, some people don't mind, but I do really like that. I think it's a really good little feature. The next feature I'll show you is the redesigned podcast app. So, as we have seen, Apple have launched a new podcast subscription service that will, well, will be launched in May. So, in preparation, they have decided to redesign the podcast app with a few little changes. So, I'll show you them today. So we will go to the podcast app. Social entertainment folder. 13 app. Let me open it. Enter you podcasts. There we go. Podcasts. Listen. Downloaded. Dimmed. So the listen now tab is the same pretty much. What I want Downloaded. to show you Dimmed. is the library tab. Search library. Because that's where a few changes have come up. So previously in the library tab, you had various categories such as shows, downloads, recently updated, and then your stations in the library tab. You still have them there. But when you open the library tab now, it gives you your library of shows only. Library, back button. But you can go back. Library, back library, heading. And you've got various categories here, which I'll show you. Latest episodes, button. So you've got latest episodes, which I think it replaced is the recently added section a bit it's not really shows anymore that it shows you in the order of upload it shows you more the episodes which i think is still quite nice the problem it does it doesn't actually tell you which show the episode comes from it just tells you the episode titles which is a minor thing but it would be kind of a nice little bonus but yeah you do have latest episodes shows button go list of shows which it puts you in anywhere when you open the library tab. Downloads button. You've got your downloads. Saved. You've got your button. saved episodes. News all round. Sixty six button. And I have my custom news station that I've set up. So that's a little change which I quite I quite like it because you can get into things different in a different way. I do quite like it. Tap shows. Late shows button. We'll go to shows. Library. So this app works differently now. You don't subscribe to podcasts. You follow them. Because the subscribe term will be used for subscribing to the financial benefits of a podcast. So therefore you've got follow, that's one change. But also the way episode management works has changed too. So to present this probably better, we'll go to the one of my podcasts. Newscast, updated Wednesday, button. We'll go for that. Newscast, podcast artwork, in 
News BBC Black Star Wednesday More Resume Episodes Heading So I'm going to go into my episode list and it will show all the unplayed episodes. Now, since the podcast app has been updated, that has changed things around a bit. So I've subscribed to the newscast in March. And whenever you subscribe to the podcast, it brings in the most recent episode. But since the redesign, it has brought in all the older episodes from December, for example, which I didn't ask for, but hey-ho. So I can mark them all as played that I don't want to listen to. The problem is here. See all button. The 1st of February 2020. It starts from the 1st of February because I've already done some cleanup. The problem is you can't select multiple episodes and then perform one action for multiple episodes, which is a bit of a shame because it's what they had in the old podcasts app. Not even, not even They haven't had that for a few years, but it's one feature I wish they brought back because it made management of episodes, of unplayed episodes, a lot easier. But what I want to show you is quick actions for each episode. So... Before this redesign, in the episode list, when you focused on an episode, you had actions such as download and delete, which were crucial to me because I like to delete the episodes if I'm not interested in listening to them from the title or, you know, if I've listened to the live show and I don't really need to listen to a podcast. Then quick actions are now gone. You actually need to tap on the more section, which you can get by swiping up and down. So this is an episode. The 1st of February, more. I'll Flick down with one finger. I'll double tap on more. Report a concern button. And I can swipe through options. Copy link but Share episode. Save episode. Mark as play. Play last. Mark as played. Button. And I can mark it as played. Play, play next. Download episode button. Or I can download it. So, in a way, there are better options, but I used to like the ability to delete episodes. It's not a major feature. None of this is deal breakers. None of this will make me switch a podcast app because I still really like it. But it's just little things that you can find. And because, obviously, podcast relies on streaming as well, you don't have to download the episodes. I think the only advantage of downloading is still the same as it always has been. If the episodes disappear and you can't stream them, at least you'll have them downloaded. And you then, in order to completely get rid of the episode, you can't just press delete. You have to remove the download and mark it as played if you have the download of it on the device. Again, that adds an extra step, which to me, I didn't really miss. I preferred less steps in the process, but that's what you get. It's not the end of the world. Little quick warning about the sleep timer. So if you have been using the podcasts app and you use the sleep timer heavily, you will know that there was a little bug with the sleep timer. It was quite a specific one because where, if you want to set a sleep timer in the player screen, it works easier if you're not playing any podcast while you're trying to set up the sleep timer. Because then voiceover will be able to let you swipe through the options of durations. But if you're playing a podcast and at the same time trying to set a sleep timer, voiceover focus just gets stuck. So that's probably one little thing to still keep in mind but all in all i do quite like this podcast design app yes i'll have to clean up my library a bit but that's not the end of the world i think in a general sense that has been really quite well redesigned so yes there are other features in ios 14.5 such as you can have AirTag support and a few other bits and pieces but i thought i'll show you some of the features that i find quite useful so yes that is ios 14.5 <laughs> So the next little feature on this podcast I want to talk about is accessibility issues and 
finding workarounds and contacting developers. So the reason this has come about is I am working for my local site loss council in Bedfordshire and we're looking at transport. We are doing a VI forum in June and part of it is travel and transport. We are looking to get speakers from our local bus company, which is Stagecoach, at least this is one of them. And what came about in our last meeting was looking at the apps Thameslink for Thameslink Trains, which is our big local train company and Stagecoach. So the plan was originally to show you both apps and kind of show the accessibility issues and how to work around them while obviously contacting the developers at the same time to improve accessibility. Now, as luck would have it, the Thameslink app issue seems to have been fixed since I last checked the app, so we can't do that. But what I will show you is some of the issues in the Stagecoach app and explain how certain features which for sighted people are good can be deemed inaccessible or difficult to use for screen reader users. Song quiz. Stagecoach. So we're going to go to the Stagecoach app because I think that demonstrates a few accessibility issues which I will be contacting the developer about but I want to show you these just so you can get an idea of how this works. So I'll double tap to open it. Stagecoach, Marcelo Pizzeria Pizza and Pasta. So a lot of these navigation apps such as bus apps and you know other maps use the map view which obviously you need for the sighted person. For a sighted user's point of view, that feature is crucial. The problem with screen readers is they don't deal with that feature very well because I'm in the map feature. Marcelo P. Harrod and Fisheries, Eastcuts. And I can flick through all sorts of locations. Her Winch I can Mar go all the way Winch here Winch to various Cath locations. Any kind of that map view is never accessible, which you can use to track different things. For example, you can track a bus. You can't do it really with a screen reader. That's the main point. That's one kind of accessibility issue is map, the map, the map view. That's the difficulty to navigate it. So this particular app, really handy for buses. However, there are a few issues which I will show you. So currently, Search for a location, postcode or service, text Thanks field. moved us away from the map. Nearby stops and services. So I can look at nearby stops and here. East Kids, Catholic Church, button, heading. There is one bus stop. And I can look at buses. Bus 9 to Bedford. So let's take this bus, for example. This shows you buses in order of arrival. Bus 73, bus 9A to bus 9 to bed, bus 73, bus 9A to bus 9 to bed. And you can go the, all this way and then... East Kids, Catholic Church, Button, bus 9B to Hitchin. You've got the reverse stops. That's all accessible so far. E bu 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 bus 73 to bus nearby East Kids, so Catholic Church, but bus 9 to Bedford. Let's double tap on this. Bus 9 to Bedford. So, the next issue I'll talk to you about is voiceover focus. So in a lot of apps, when you tap on an item, because I can tell you that the display on the screen is different and you'll find this out in a minute. So in a lot of apps, when you tap on something, voiceover will then focus you on the relevant information. It will jump to the right bit. 
So what I would expect to happen in a fully accessible application is either for once I tap on the bus, it should take me to a separate screen, which I can go back out of if I wished. But then in that screen, I'd have all the information for that particular bus line. That has not happened. It's still on the same screen. And the information is there because if I tap in the middle of the screen, Haroden, bus last known status up. This service is usually not too b 13, 42, EXP, 13, 41, Eastcuts, Haroden Road. So this is basically the schedule for the current running bus. That is all good. And I think for a technology user like me, this accessibility issue requires simply to just explore the screen with your finger and you'll find the information you want. But what we're looking at from the Sight Loss Council's perspective is you have to look at everyone's accessibility needs. You have to not look at the accessibility needs of yourself, but other people. So this is the approach we're trying to take with this. And as you can see with the voiceover focus issue, if you're a basic voiceover screen reader user, you would not know how to work around this issue. So this is one accessibility issue I definitely would like fixed, where if you tap on the bus line, it should take you to a separate screen with the bus information. So you can then tap on one of these things and see what you can find. 13. Four, I can 13, go to the end of this th list. Th 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 vertical scroll. Vertical scroll. And I'm at bar. the end. 14. EXP. 13. 57. Bedford, bus station, the bus station. So if I tap on that, 14, EXP, 13, 57, Bedford, bus station, Beijing, so nothing. less than stagecoach, SC label, zero times 1,299 far 980, base class equals UI label, frame equals 00, 22018, text equals bus 9, opaque equals no. Auto resize equals RM plus BM. User interaction enabled equals no. Layer equals less than underscore UI. Right. So this is another thing you've just heard. It's mislabeling. I mean, I'm not even sure what this is on the screen right now. Less than stagecoach. SC label. It's some sort of labels, but it doesn't. It tells you letters and numbers, which to me mean absolutely nothing. And to any voiceover user will mean nothing as well. So correct label is, is important because at the moment I would like to know what features I can do if I tap on the bus station, for example. Less than stagecoach. And this label changes, hence why voiceover just started talking again. But the point is I'd like to know what other options I've got with this bus. So there are a few accessibility issues that I will be letting the developer know about. But the purpose of this is more to show you how important certain issues are and how difficult they might be for certain users. I said, even I'm stuck here because less than stage. You know, it sounds like a good app, but if it's not fully accessible and we can't use all of its features, then we are a bit of a pickle. I think the problem is this app is getting there, but as always, it will be good to have some improvements. This app has improved since I've last used it. That's probably the biggest amount of positive feedback I can say because I've tried it la a few years ago. And it certainly wasn't as accessible as it is now. 13. Burger icon map button. I'd like to get out of this. I presume it's this. Burger icon map. Post less than stagecoach. SC label. 
basket map icon, but ticket icon map, but map location blue, button, possibly, location, button, search for a location, button. Yes, this is the point where the navigation again could be better. So you've got navigation labels. Map location blue, button, ticket icon map, button, basket map icon, button. Now I can work out from the labels what these are. But I do think all of these should be laid out better than in all in one screen. Map navigation button, burger icon map button, legal link, Chester. And we're back into the list of locations and the map view. So yes, all in all, I can't really experience all the features of this app. You can buy bus tickets on this map. I hope this has demonstrated some accessibility issues you can experience. Granted, this is not the most inaccessible app I have ever used. There are other accessibility issues that you can get in a lot more serious situation. But it's one of these things when you analyze an app and you have to look at different people's perspectives. This is one of these things. So yes, that's Stagecoach. It's not a bad app. You can't actually get it to give you stop alerts. So you can only track your buses in the Stagecoach app. You can't actually get alerts to get off, which I think is a big shame because I don't think it's too difficult to implement considering you already have an interactive map which might not be accessible to voiceover users. But if you can do an interactive map, you can also therefore introduce stop alerts. So maybe that feature will be introduced. But for now, it's not. I think I don't want to sound like I'm being too harsh on this app. I do like how you can see and track the bus you want. Could the interface be a bit easier to use? Absolutely. I think as you've seen, there was a few problems where you can get lost in the app or labeling is not correct. I think you can separate this various screens of the app into tabs to make it a lot easier to navigate, but it's a good app. It just needs a few improvements. So I will contact the developer. Now, when it comes to contacting developers of applications, I think What's really important here is that you do it in the right way. And this is this is a problem I've seen with a lot of developers because some people contact the developers and put forward their accessibility suggestions, but they put it forward in such a way that no developer will actually be interested because some people put accessibility requests and make it sound as if the developer is obliged to make it accessible. Now, I think it's good to be realistic. They don't have to Screen make the app accessible. They don't actually have to. There are accessibility standards, but they aren't the highest. This app is technically by accessibility standards probably quite accessible because it's usable. And I think the big problem is the difference between usability and accessibility. The app can be usable, as you've seen, because I've used it, but accessibility-wise, it could be better. And I think when you contact the developer to improve accessibility, it's good to point out the features that need improving. But I always thought it's good to also point out the positives in the app because you don't want to appear as if you're completely criticizing the app and you don't also want to be rude. I think it's the basic. If you contact the developer, 
and asking them to make improvements, make it sound like a request rather than an order. I think it's quite simple. And be detailed. List the accessibility issues. Point out what you're using, which phone, which software version, which accessibility, because they might have no clue about it. Or they might, you don't know that, but you can't assume. So all in all, include all this information and the best way to always contact the developers is directly rather than through App Store reviews because if you give a developer a low star rating due to accessibility, that affects the rating of the overall app. And I do think it's quite harsh because the overall app is probably quite good and giving it a low rating that's one way to do it. I do think letting developers know via other contact methods is better because you're giving them a chance to improve the app rather than kind of rating it as low as possible, which then makes it sound like the app's really quite bad, but it's not. I think, you know, rating it on accessibility alone takes away from rating of the functionality of the app as well. And I think these two ratings should be separate, but if the App Store ever introduces accessibility ratings, that is something we will be talking about another time. So yes, that's the Stagecoach app. As I said, usable, semi-accessible, could be better. So there you go, that is the end of episode two. Thank you to everyone for listening and hopefully you have all enjoyed it. And yes, soon enough, there will be social media. So hopefully we can get some reaction into the podcast as well. I look forward to that. So yes, I will speak to you next month with hopefully more interesting things to come and other projects. But yes, hope you've enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening. And yes, I hope to see you on my social media pages for the podcast. This is the VI Sound and Vision Podcast.